Hello, welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osband, here with my friend Chabruta Ann Gordon. Our top today, Masach Sukkah, Daf Yud, page 10. But we have another new Mishnah here, and this deals with a different uh, issue with the Sukkah itself. And again, we haven't really gotten to any of the laws about Tzach or what Tzach has to be, but the Mishnah here is already giving us some halachot if you put something over the roofing, over the Tzach itself. Um, so if somebody spread a sheet over the roof, like over the schach, basically to protect people from shade, right? I think we've all sat in a sukkah where even though it is shaded because of the roof, it's very, very hot. So if you put something else on top of it to make it even more shaded, or if you put it beneath the roofing, so sort of like inside the sukkah, but underneath the roof to collect falling leaves. Or if you spread uh, something like a sheet over the frame of a four post bed. So in other words, you have a bed and then, you know, like a canopy bed, canopy bed with four posts and you put a sheet over that, that area of the bed is going to be considered pasul. Um, now, and part of the question is, uh, why uh, Why is it? So the, the sheet itself, one thing to keep in mind, what I read about some of the commentators is, is that that sheet also can be makabel tuma. And that's something that we're going to talk about later with schach, whether or not schach can actually become tame. Um, and because it is something that can become tame, the sheet, it is not considered to be appropriate roofing. And therefore, it makes the roof unfit. With the case of the canopy, that's the first two cases of the shade and the and the um, leaves. With the case of the canopy, right, you can sit underneath that canopy because it's not like you're sitting underneath the sukkah. Instead, it's almost like you have a tent or another structure inside the sukkah itself. However, what they do say is, is that you can take a sheet over two posts, right, this naklite, this type of bed. Again, I would almost think of it as like a two-post teepee in a way. And, you know, then the bed is sort of in the middle of it. So it's not like you actually constructed uh, another roof. The, the sheet is sort of like an incline going over the bed, but it's like inclines. And so therefore, it's not really considered a tent or another structure. So, again, fascinating that we're learning all these halachot of schach without really giving us anything defined about schach. Like what makes the sheet a problem to put either right over or right under the roofing? We will get to that later on in this Masachet, but that's what this is trying to teach us. Now we get to some Gemariyar. So this Rav Chista said that what this was taught about was true about falling leaves, but if it's like if it's to beautify the sukkah, in other words, if you hung something, some type of sheet or something that wasn't didn't serve a purpose, but solely was there for the purpose of beautification, that would be kosher. So then we say pshita, right? We know this is true. Right? We know this because it says it's only falling leaves in the Mishnah. So why do we need Rav Chista, you know, to actually tell us this? The Mishnah specifies it, okay? So what what does it want to say? Who? who right? Um, all right. Mand Amar Hu Hadin Lenu Ta. Right? So we, we might say that what it might even be true if you were trying to beautify it, right? So that's why the, the Mishnah has to specify 
the leaves. It can't just say if you put a sheen on underneath, right? So it's teaching us in a way, right, uh, that, you know, this would typically sort of happen. Sort of happen. And so the Rafisa so comes ahead to also ahead. teaches us that basically the mission is really being very, very precise, and it only applies in that particular case. You can't draw anything out from that case. It's only the case of the falling leaves, right? Then the Gemara goes on to say, Lema Masayele, right? Why don't we say we now we're going to quote a his opinion of Rav Chista, right? If you roof the sukkah, right, according to its halachic requirement, so let's say you decorate it then with colorful curtains and sheets. So this is exactly what Rav Chista was talking about. And hung in it nuts, peaches, almonds, pomegranates, grape branches, and like these wreaths of, of stalks of grains, wines, oils, and vessels full of flour. You, it's prohibited to, you, to, to use them. So in other words, you can use them totally as just a decoration. And I think this is such a beautiful picture of what these actually, what these Sukkot look like and how they decorated them. And I, I just think there's something so lovely because such a part of how we observe Sukkot is the decorating of the Sukkot. And we see that that's really a, a very, very old tradition to do so. To do so. so you can hang, so you can all, hang these all these things that maybe you would normally use, right? Like you could use oil, you could use wine, but once they become a decoration, they just become a decoration and they don't interfere with the actual slach itself. Right. And then it says, Ad until the conclusion of the last day of the festival. Right. Right. And if he hung these decorations and he stipulated that he's going to actually use them during the Chag, then it is OK. Like if he said, oh, I'm going to hang up some wine like a jar, but I'm going to use the wine on the fourth day of Sukkot, that would be. Uh, that, you know, that, so they ask what Mar says, right? No, maybe what he's talking about is that this was on of the sukkah. So in other words, we're getting back now to, right, Dilma Minatsad. We're getting back to the question of, is this Tosefta a proof for Rav Chista that putting up curtains and sheets is okay? And then they say, no, Dilma Minatsad. Maybe this Tosefta is talking about that you hung the curtains or the sheets on the side of the sukkah but not underneath the roof. Because if you read the language of the Tosefta itself, it doesn't actually, uh, it doesn't actually mention it. Uh, it's So now the Gemara wants to get into a little bit of discussion now about the Sukkah decorations themselves. So when we talk about the actual sort of dimensions of the sukkah itself, sukkah decorations don't diminish the height of the sukkah. So in other words, if we have decorations that are hanging from the roofing, we don't consider them as part of the structure and they don't diminish the height of the sukkah. So what this practically means is that if the roofing is mode, which we talked about as a problem, but the decorations decorations within the 20 mode itself, it doesn't make that roofing okay. The, the, we don't count the decorations as sort of like an extension of the roof and would lower the 20 mo. However, Ravashi said, 
if the decorations are again mean atzad, they're on the side, then they're considered as part of the structure and they diminish it. So in other words, decorations make the sukkah less than the sort of minimum requirement of the size of a sukkah, the interior, that actually would be a problem. So roofing, it doesn't count. Siding, it does count. Then the Gemara wants to talk about uh, a servant of Ravashi. Minyamin, um, right? Avadia de Ravashi, right? He was a servant of Ravashi. Eat mishale kutnatna, right? And his shirt became wet. Right, Kunana Bamai became what? The Ish Tachta Imtlata, and so what he did was he spread it over the sukkah to dry it. Right, so he takes his shirt, he wants to put it in the sun, puts it on the roof of the sukkah. Amar Le Ravashi, Ravashi says to him, Dilye Dilo Limruka Misachache, right? The Devarim Makabel Tuma. So he says, take it down so that people won't say that you can use roofing that is that can be Makabel Tuma. So again, we're getting back to, this is the first time that we've seen explicitly that you cannot use roofing that is Makabel Tuma is disqualified as being roofing. We haven't had a Mishnah that explicitly said it, but it's something that it seems we're supposed to know. Right? But then the servant said back to him, but don't they see it that it's wet? Right? So wouldn't everyone understand if you see it, it's like it's hanging out there to dry. And so Ravashi says, take it down once it's dry. And that's what I'm telling you to do. So in other words, Ravashi basically sort of agrees with him at the end. Right? Um, but he uh, but he says, but you got to take it down uh, right away. Now we have another sort of uh, thing about the decorations. Eatmar, Navoy Sukkah. Right? So also with these Sukkah decorations, Hamuflagin Mimena Arba'a, right? Who are removed, who are farther apart from the roofing than four Tfachim. Rav Nachman Amar Kshera, right? So, Rav, so the question is whether or not they, they, if they're far roofing, do they sort of make a partition between the roofing and the sukkah? So Rav Nachman says Amar Kshera, he says no, it's still kosher. Rav Chisav Araba Bar Rav Huna, Rav Huna say Imre Psula. It's actually unfit. So here we enter a different element, which is that the decorations can't be more than Fort Fachem hanging from the roof itself. So, you know, I, I love this particular passage starting from the Mishnah through here, because I think we always think of the decorations as just like something we do to enhance the sukkah. But actually, the decorations, actually, the decorations have a whole, have a whole, a whole piece whole. to it as well. How far are they? Can they be considered part of the roof? Do they interfere with the roofing? And it's just nice to see that the decorating piece of the sukkah is even part of the halachic integrity of the sukkah itself. I think it's also wonderful that Noi sukkah goes back this far, right? Beautifying the sukkah is not something that they made up in, you know, Hebrew school or kindergarten for kids to make you know, decorations isn't that fun. It is fun, and those kids should have a great time. But this is a tradition that goes way, way back. Um, and it's part, of, as you say, it's part of the halachic process. The idea of having a beautification to begin with is part and parcel of the Sukkot holiday in terms of we have a pre Hadar. I'm sure we'll talk about this as we get there. <clears throat> okay. I want to continue on the daf, basically from right where you left off, 
where, but instead of, well, still talking about the decorations, but we're going to move into other dis- discussion of other things that could potentially get in the way of the sukkah being the roof above your head if you are in the sukkah, right? Meaning we've previously talked about what if there's a tree above you, right? What if what if there's a sukkah above you? Here we've got the, the sukkah, I'm sorry, the schach is basically right above you. What if someone put something on top of that? You've got the direct decorations hanging down. Now we've got some more. Rav Chista, Rav Baravuna, Iklu Reish Galuta. So Rav Chista and Rav Baravuna were in the house of the exilar, the Reish Galuta. Agnihu Rav Nachman Besukah, So they had decorations that came down for Tzfachim. And this is exactly the zone where there's a machloket if this counts to, you know, if it's a, if, if it takes the place of the schach in a way that would make it puzzle, or if it's still fine. They were quiet. They didn't say anything to him. They didn't say where you're sitting is a problem, right? So then, you know, there's in general, we have a principle, that when one is quiet, it is like acquiescence. Does that mean that the that the generation of Paskaners, right, that the sages here, did they take back their psak about how low you could have decorations? This is the best answer ever. They said, we are shliyeche mitzvah. We're on our way to go do a mitzvah. So we are exempt from the mitzvah of sukkah altogether because the person who is osek mina mitzvah, someone who is steeped in the doing of a mitzvah, is said to be patur, is said to be exempt from, you know, another mitzvah that comes along that would be, um, you know, that would get in the way or delay the doing of the first mitzvah. So the idea that their answer has nothing to do with the question of the schach and the decorations, I think is um, clever and a little sharp and maybe a little inappropriate, right? Meaning they're talking back. <laughs> On the other hand, it does seem to be, it, it seems to be the answer, right? Meaning their claim is, we can eat in the sukkah, we can sleep in the sukkah. The sukkah is fine because we are not obligated to have a sukkah to begin with. So what happens? Rav Yehuda, Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, Mutar Lishon Bakila Basukah, so Rav Yehuda said that Shmuel said that it's permitted to sleep in a bed, and this is important, that has netting that is inside the sukkah. Meaning if you have mosquito netting, I think is the idea here. If you have some kind of netting over your bed, does that count to get in the way, the way that the same way that his garment would get in the way of the schach, does the netting get in the way of the schach making a kosher sukkah? And the answer seems to be that it's fine. Meaning you've got a sukkah above you. The netting seems to be, I don't know, close enough to the person or or spare enough in the holes that are part of it. It's not considered an issue. Except, even though this bed might have a roof, that's, you know, its own issue, but the but the netting isn't the problem. As long as that netting does not go as high as ten tfachim higher than the bed, meaning this is something that you have to kind of crawl into, not something that you could just I don't know sit 
don't know, stand on your bed to get into under the tent Um I suppose this is a matter of how you configure a bed that will have some kind of netting to protect the people who are sleeping in there from any kind of bugs, mosquitoes and the like. But at the same time, it doesn't become its own other structure, right? If you think about a canopy bed, right? A canopy bed that's quite high. Now, if you're lying in the canopy bed, now your canopy is between you and the sukkah. And there's no reason to say that that sukkah would be your sukkah. But for netting, it's allowed, unless it's too high, unless it's considered, as it were, its own structure. So then the Gemara comes up with another question, another case. If you are in a sukkah and you sleep under the bed instead of on top of the bed, Maybe it's raining. Maybe it's hot. You want some shade from the bed. You want some protection from the rain. So you crawl under the bed as a more comfortable place to sleep. You did not fulfill fulfill your sukkah's obligation because the bed is now being the roof of your head that's you know separating between you and the schach that's supposed to be right above you. So Shmuel, the claim here is that Shmuel's only talking about a bed that is ten fachim high. Because if you don't have ten fachim to interfere with the schach overhead, then you don't have anything interference. It doesn't count unless it's a structure or or possible to conceive of it as a structure that goes at least ten fachim high. Okay, so that's that bit of the Gemara. I just want to jump to the end of the daf and pick up on one other small detail here. Um, it says, really, very close to the end, so these rabbis say, If somebody sleeps in netting, right, mosquito netting, they sleep naked in the bed with the netting on it. So you take your head out from the netting, look out mosquitoes, and that is how you say kriyachma. The netting is not enough to be a barrier from the sukkah. It is enough to be a protective coating, as it were, to say like as if you're under a blanket or you're under some kind of clothing, which would make it acceptable to say kriyachma as opposed to saying it naked. Lying down naked is not really acceptable for either sex, right? Meaning, we if you were with us back in back in brachot, we talked about differences of divrei kedusha. For men and women, and and what is considered nakedness, but in this case, the Gemara is not getting into that. It's really just saying that the separation that the netting provides is sufficient to make that barrier for the sake of saying kriyatma with sanctity, bekedusha, but not enough to get in the way of the schach being schach. You're still in a sukkah. So I, you know, this I like how they weave a totally different halacha here from the one of sukkah. Like, they're really just coming up with, like, this just took a turn I wasn't expecting on the death itself. I think that's fair. I think that, again, it's a lot of talking about the various parts of sukkah in a by-the-by kind of way, which, if you were writing Hilchot sukkah now, right, meaning you're going to give somebody a play-by-play, they've never encountered sukkah, it would not be written this way. It would be much... You know, start from the foundation and build up type of thing. That's not what happened here. We know that. It's a Gemara. Right. It's a Gemara. And I think we're really, I mean, maybe because, like you said before, we're not as familiar with Pesachim or Yuma. But here it's very striking to me how, like, the Masachat 
just kind of assumes you know everything all at the same time. Yeah, I, but but it's also not so far flung, right? Because it's not at this point so far. It's not reaching for Tumantara hardly at all. It's not reaching for Carbonote. It will, but not yet, right? Meaning the the topics that we have here, talking about saying Kriyatma, we we know about that a bit, you know. So I think that there is a comfort level in in what's being discussed. We're going to belabor this point because it's interesting enough to us. Well, that's our doc discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know about this stuff and its variety of topics on our Talking Time with Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and watch.